Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it Episode 63, The Illusion of Separation with Heather Lean. If you believe in guardian angels, you probably wonder what kind of divine assignments these hardworking spiritual beings fulfill. People throughout recorded history have presented some fascinating ideas about what guardian angels are like and what different types of jobs they do. Children's natural curiosity to guardian angels can be notably strong during their youth when their imagination is beautifully primed to accept this reality with wonder and a sense of awe, which is especially sensitive during the early years of their spiritual formation. Thanks to an amazing new children's book, children have the opportunity to understand about the significance of guardian angels in their lives and help them remember that their departed loved ones are never truly gone, that they are being watched above by them from above. This week on All Things in the Name of Love, we get to hear from Heather Lean, who shares her courageous story and her highly anticipated new children's book, Angel Grandma. An attorney by day, Heather decided to begin pursuing her dream in writing children's books. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and your, your new book, Angel Grandma, was written after grieving the loss of your mother-in-law and then your own mother, which is crazy. After writing Angel Grandma, you found yourself writing several others, and it was a spark that ignited your passion and your life's purpose. You reside in New York, where you enjoy spending time with your family and pets, writing and continuously learning and growing. So first question, where in New York? I'm in Long Island, so the suburbs of New York, close nice. to the city. <laughs> nice. Yeah, close enough. Close yeah. enough. Close enough and far enough. Right. <laughs> I have chickens now, so I have four chickens, so they get to run a roughy about my little, my pseudo farm, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> New York farm girls. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, well, I am so, I'm so honored that you're on the show because your book is amazing. Thank you. I, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, what what we started talking about before I press the record button, because I have this tendency to do that, is how poignant it is and how the illustrations just hit me and how comforting it is to my inner child, because I lost my grandfather when I was 10 and nobody told me what happened. So this is just so incredible that you're explaining something that doesn't get talked about in our society. So how did you feel called to do this? It's so funny. Cause I know we were just talking about, you know, it's such a taboo subject and I grew up in a, like, you know, not a very religious home, but a, a Jewish traditional home. And there's certain things you just didn't 
you know, he didn't talk about, you know, because it made people uncomfortable and it just left unsaid. So emotions are, are kind of suppressed. And I got to the point now I have my own family and we're not very religious. You know, we do practice some things, but after losing my mother-in-law and I was pregnant with my second uh, child at the time and I had just told her um, I'm having a boy. She was so happy for my husband because she's like, oh, he wants his boy. So she was so happy. That was the last time I talked to her. And my mom was, she suffered for nine years with Alzheimer's. So it was just, it was just debilitating. And I pretty much did this whole mothering thing on my own because I had no one to tell me, go through it and you have no clue what you're doing. You know, you're just trying to do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was that like that pain, almost like the pain of the loss when she got diagnosed and then watching her and then think you're prepared for the loss, like because you expected to come. It's not like it was woke up one day and she passed away. It was nine years of suffering. And I still wasn't prepared for it, you know? So I, yeah. I found myself in that deep, that deep grief and trying to find some kind of relief. And I just, I couldn't, you know, I was, I think a lot of people resort to old habits for me. It was like, I was buying stuff because I thought that could fill like a little bit of a void. And I got to the point where I was like, oh, this is just, I, I'm so sick of feeling this way. I'm, I'm hitting myself because I don't have a mom to say anything to. And it, it's very easy to get caught in that trap. And I think I saw, and this is the honest true story, like that I saw a, media, uh, a meditation and I was like, let me just try this. You know, it was actually, I mean, I, I follow him and a lot of people do, um, Joe Dispenza. And, you know, I, it, it kind of piqued my interest because he talked about the science behind it. And I was like more of like a sign kind of thing, like, oh, be the proof, whatever. And when I kind of watched one of his seminar, you know, he did like a whole meditation thing for the weekend. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, I just felt something very different. And it was, it was in that process of trying that first meditation from and first time in my life, you know, 38 years old and just realizing that opens like a, up a whole new door. It opened up, like I dealt with feelings that I wasn't dealing with all this time and kind of like in the process I had given, it, it's kind of like a twofold story because I, I started that and that opens up the door. And then someone contacted me at an orphanage in Africa. And obviously I resonated with that because here are kids that don't have parents. I have a father, but I just lost my mom and yeah. I was not dealing with it well. And I'm like looking at these children and this, and this guy, he runs, I think he's trying to get NGO status and whatnot. So I give to him privately, but I don't like to you know, say the name just because I can't vouch yet. But I see him and these children and they're like, smiles on their face they're happy I mean they have very little one two pieces of clothing like one or two dolls and here I'm I'm trying to teach my four-year-old like gratitude be happy for what you have you have so many toys look like you just be happy Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at her and telling her that be happy and I'm like well how can I tell her to be happy if I'm I'm not happy and in that whole process and I'm very grateful I love my children I love everything you know my family but that it's that whole gratitude. It's like, can you sit there and just be grateful every day and say, thank you for what blessings that I have. And it took me to that point. It, it pushed me to that point. And I gave a little money to this charity because it really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I get this video, this video message from him and the kids, you know, he was an orphan himself and he's, he's raising these children and caring for them. 
and they're all like smiling and they have a sign and they put my name, we love you, Heather. And I was tears coming down crying. My daughter looked at me and she's like, why are you crying? I'm just like, I'm just happy. And it just, it, that's what hit me. I was like, it's not the shoes, it's not the handbags, it's not the new car, it's not the anything. It's not all these things because as soon as you get those things, you're just looking for the next thing to make you happy. And I see it over and over again. I, and I knew myself it wasn't the answer. And obviously my daughter, she gets an LOL doll and then two seconds later she wants another doll. I'm like, you just opened the doll, you should be happy. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, that's the answer. That made me happy giving, giving back. And so it started from there and then I was giving a little bit to him. And one day I'm driving in the car and I'm thinking to myself, what if I wrote a book and I donated a portion of proceeds to this charity, other charities that help children? Because obviously if I can give and keep giving more rather than just from my own pocket, which I would, but also set up something to help even in a greater way. So that was the initial idea. And I never thought I was going to be a writer or a children's book writer or any writer whatsoever. I never thought I had anything really, I guess, in me that would be sufficient enough. And so when I sat down to write this book about gratitude, it was like the actual book. It was like true story about our interaction with the organization and my daughter and the kids. And that was the first book that I wrote. So it was good. You know, I, I, I think I, I was proud of it. I kind of shopped it around and knew somebody who knew somebody in like a publishing and arena. And they're like, well, you need to get an agent. And I'm like, oh, I can't. I mean, I worked full time. I'm mom to two young kids. I'm like, you know, if I'm doing it to raise money, like if it's not going to raise any money and I'm going to do all this work, then forget it. And then I have people that were um, in my life because at the same time I'm listening to Napoleon Hill and like, I mean, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle. I mean, I was like a spiritual junkie because I, I was, I opened up the door and then mm -hmm. I just let it all come in. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I couldn't get it like Wayne Dyer. I mean, like everybody, I, I just, I felt so much like peace, like from that, like Eckhart Tolle's book, was it the power of now? Like mm -hmm. just was like life changing. All I did was worry. All I did was worry. So I kind of, I, you know, I let that in. And then I had people that were like, no, 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 you should do this. You're going to be a writer. It's like, well, I don't know how you know that because I don't even know that. Like if it makes you happy and you felt fulfilled, you need to pursue that. Mm -hmm. So that was the first book I wrote. And I thought it was the only book I had in me. And then things started like between the meditation and my own spiritual healing and my journey, I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and start writing things that just came to me. And it was, it was like, it was amazing. It was so fulfilling. I don't think I've shopped for shoes or bags or whatever in like six months, which is like, my husband's really happy about that. Like, you know, um, <laughs> wardrobe might need to be refreshed. I don't know. But um, I just, I felt so fulfilled. And, you know, Angel Grandma was the first one that I wanted to go with because I, I knew I would have those, those paradigms, those, those negative, I knew it was going to come up at some point in this path. I knew not everything has to, is always so super easy. And I, I knew I might have some roadblocks. So I wanted to go with something that I, I was so committed to. And for my, for me, my mom, like that message, when I finally wrote this book, Angel Grandma, probably the fifth, the fifth one that I actually wrote, I was like, I have to push this one out first. I have to publish it first because it's for my mom. At that point, I, I pretty much got it out like almost to the year of her uh, passing away on her birthday. Oh. So she passed away one day before her birthday. 
And I was like, the book has to be out and published. I mean, but by the time I sat down to commit to writing, I think it was like in October. And by the time I got the book up and whatever, it was probably in January. And so oh. things were moving pretty fast. I mean, now it's probably hasn't been, been like seven, eight months from once I decided I wanted to pursue this and the process of illustrating other books with illustrators. So it's just like, I never knew, I, I, I probably maybe never would have known that this is something that I wanted to do had I not gone through that grief. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a really, really long one to question. No, it's, just beautiful. it's a beautiful oh answer because when you, I, I get this, I grew up in New England, so there's expectations that people place right. on you. Right. And it's really hard to break those expectations. Right. And so you pick a career that you think are going to meet the expectations of others. And then all of a sudden, you remember that there's something that brings you joy or you find something that brings you joy that has nothing to do with what you thought you were. Right. And that just explodes. Right. And I so get chill, I get chills because yeah, it's, it it is crazy. Think about it, like just that alone, like lawyer writes children's books, like like I mean, my colleagues are like, "Well, I'm so I'm so like proud of you," but like, where did this come from? And like, I don't know. You know? But, right. but yeah, you're right. So many things, like as as a kid, I think I enjoyed writing as a child, but at some point, I thought I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't in AP English, so I'm just give it up and who knows if someone told me that or I just thought it myself or whatever the case may be, I suppressed that. And, you know, it's, it's just coming it's, out. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. It came out. It found a way to make its way out. And I think sometimes you have to get to that point where you're not going to go on your own. So you're like being pushed there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like going with the flow and being more open to that versus fighting against it. That that's kind of what I, I, I embrace now. So it's a different, I'm like a different person than I was seven, eight months ago. You know, completely. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me because when you open yourself up, things shift. I, I can tell when I'm in flow, everything is so easy. Right. And when I'm in my head, uh, because we're both very intellectual, you get this. When I'm in my head, I trip myself up all the time. Yeah. And so I found it much more pleasant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> to not be in that space anymore because it's just, it allows things to just be. And then I can be happier more often, which is like, what would be better than that? Right. That's so funny because I, I, I have that question too. It's like, how did you, how does being a lawyer like help you being a children's book author? And people have asked me that. I'm like, I'm like, it doesn't. Like I had to shut that, I had to shut that part off because yeah. if I sat there and it's funny, like my dad's an accountant and it's like, oh, I'm like sitting here thinking of like, oh, if I have to get the insurance and this and that. And what about if someone does this or steals that? Or I'm thinking all the legalities. I'm like, and if I was thinking all those things and I wouldn't have gotten this far. So I, if I sat down to critique all of the risks and all the things that I shouldn't be doing, it's like in my, in my regular lawyer brain, weigh things out, I would not have taken those, those risks on myself and I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So I, I and it's funny how to shut that part of my brain off, but um, it is so, such a better place to be. Like I, the worry and the doubt and, and it's, it's not pleasing. And I don't think that's, I think the creative, the creativity and all that stems from 
when you get rid of all that mm-hmm. chatter and all that noise. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm enjoying the journey at this point. <laughs> so. Well, and, and it is, is clear to me that you're writing this book that's, that resonates really deeply because when, when you're a child and you lose someone, it's hard. Right. And it really, our society does, in American society, doesn't have the construct to navigate that. Yeah. And so it really doesn't allow for grief. It doesn't allow for understanding what happens after death. And this really is such a gift because it opens the ability for little ones to see past the perceptions that they're taught. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's funny, like I wrote it, I didn't know that I originally was going to make it into a children's book. I wrote it because I felt I, I had to, I, I, I was experiencing, I still am experiencing synchronicities, like things that are just like turning up that I never saw before or never experienced before. And got to the point where I, I tell the story because it's the true, it's the true story because it made me go home and write the book. I was, I was at a, uh, I was at a supermarket and I was, I was thinking of my mom and I saw her salad dressing. She's the only person I know that eats the salad dressing. And I kept thinking of her. It was just so poignant. It was so like powerful in my mind. And then I, when I got to the, the cash register, um, this, I love you balloon gets stuck in the conveyor belt. Like it literally just got caught and it got pulled all the way up and the cashier takes it out. So I'm just like, okay, salad dressing. I love you balloon. You know, that never happened to me before. And I got into the parking lot and feathers were just on, on the parking lot, the asphalt. And I'm looking up oh. and I see feathers falling in front of me. And I'm like, where is the bird? Like, what's going on? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going home and I'm writing this book. And, and that was the line in the book because it just came to me. I woke alongside you, I leave a trail of feathers. Make no mistake about it. We're always together. And it's what I felt. Like, I didn't even, like, I feel like sometimes it's not even me writing it. It's just, it just, it just comes to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, I'm going home and writing this book. And, you know, I had put it off because in a lot of times in my head, I would think about what I wanted to write, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready to like let it all out. And I did write this book. I mean, I know some people said it made them cry, but it's a happy book. It's a comforting book. But I know people said that they cried. I mean, just so they know, I, I was crying when I wrote it. Like I, because it came from my heart. And I think the tears, it's not a bad thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's cleansing. And again, like that culture that we grew up in, that I grew up in, you don't talk about things, you bury someone, you move on, you get on with life, everyone goes back to work. And you know what? That didn't work for me. It didn't help me. And I'm not any good to my children if I can't cope with things. And, you know, they're very young, so they'll know what I tell them. And they've only met my mom a few times because she was in the hospital down in Florida and again, that my daughter was like three when my mom passed and my son was just one and a half. So that very, very little memory. Mm-hmm. But I wrote the book for that reason too. And people tell you, you keep their memory alive. You talk about them, you show them pictures. And I'm like, all right, well, how do I talk about them in a way that's not going to make me upset? I, I need to write something like, beautiful. And so I wrote the poem for me, for them. And then I was like, you know what? I, I should make this into a children's book, you know, because it's it's not I I don't remember seeing very many books and, and then I had experienced right around the time my mom passed away my one of my very very dear friends her her mother-in-law died tragically and 
it was right around the same time. So I'm just like, here's my sister-in-law lost her mom. My Your sister-in-law lost someone, your best friend lost someone, and then yeah. you started going. Oh no, that's slow. <laughs> so yeah, we, I've known so many people that lost a mom and, mm-hmm. and there's, it, it got like, not having my mom in this world was the person that brought you into the world. It's, it's very like, you feel like you're not a child anymore. Not that I'm a child. I'm 38, 39 now, I guess, but you always like would have your mom, even if you're 40, 50, it's like people still rely on their mom. And it's like, I didn't have that. I, and then it was such a deep loss that I needed to, I couldn't go on like I was going on. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, push the emotion aside and not deal with it. And this is my way of dealing with it. And I think, and now that people are reading it and um, have found the book through either friends that bought the book for a friend, they're like, oh, it's such a good book for them. Let me, you know, I've gotten emails and saying, thank you so much. This cried, but it's like, it's such a good, I'm reading with my children tonight. And it's such a good message because it is, I think there's a Rumi quote that, I mean, I love Rumi, but it says, those who love with their eyes, was it those who love only with their eyes mourn the death, but those of us who love with our heart, we know there's no separation. There's no separation because we're always together. There's nothing that could take that away, not even death. And I feel that now. I think I always kind of knew that, mm-hmm. but I couldn't feel it past the pity and the depression. And, and mm-hmm. so now when I'm, clearing I cleared most of that out now I can feel peace now I can see the synchronicities I had um I had found uh my mom she was in her late 60s but she had those like little autograph books the ends of the high school year everyone would sign them Mm -hmm. and I'm like leave I found it the other day and I'm leafing through it and someone wrote in there I guess it was a teacher don't stop writing like one day I'll I'll get your autograph book or something like that and I'm like was that for my mom my mom never wrote was it for me I was thinking maybe this was for me to find like from my mom it could it could be she was a good writer but I never I mean in all the years she never told me any of that but regardless even if it was for her and I'm finding it now it's like I feel like it's a message like don't don't give up yeah it totally is so I, I just see those things now all the time, little things like that, that people can dismiss, but you know what? I, I feel like a connection to it. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than I feel at peace when I see these things and I feel like she's near. So, um, right. you know, the book- well, And she is because is, you're yeah. open to it. Yeah. And the book, the book just came from there. It came from a genuine place of love and- mm-hmm. And dealing with that that loss, and I, I really do want to help. It's a children's book, but even adults that are reading it, it helps them too. So I think it's a beautiful thing that they can do together. And initially, I was like, oh, it's just too, too taboo, and that's like that was like my old paradigms, kind of saying like, don't, uh, no, no one's ready for this. But now I see there's a need, and people coming to me and saying it's helps them. It it makes me feel those like that reassurance, like it is the right thing. Yeah, so, I think I think the thing is is that since you and I grew up in one state apart, the the whole it's not been done. That doesn't mean that because it hasn't been done doesn't mean that it's that's not needed. You know, right. it's like I, I I never got the well we've never done never done it that way before because it, okay, so you yeah. never thought of it before. <laughs> like, exactly. 
let's switch that a little bit because now it's needed. And I think because we're in this time in our culture where we've repressed our feelings for so long and now we're stuck inside and we can't keep doing that anymore, right. that, that it's coming out. And I would much rather feel my feelings. I mean, we have tear ducts for reason. And so I want to feel those feelings so I don't have to carry them anymore. Right. And that's, that's so important. And I feel that that's, that's a shift that's happening in our world right now. It's like people are beginning to realize that they don't have to repress their feelings anymore. Right. And they just don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. So this is... Yeah, I think that's... I think that too, like I think the whole me, us versus them, like that separation, again, like that, even that Rumi quote, like we're not separate. We're not separated mm-hmm. from each other. Like we're all connected. And, and even just that whole that gratitude that that interaction with that orphanage in, in Africa I still give him money like he still he still prays for me he messaged me how's the book Heather you know we're praying for you and God we love you and they send me pictures and I'm like there's there's no thing better than that there's mm-hmm. and you don't give to get in return but when you give you just automatically you you get it back you get mm-hmm. it back more than you give out what did what did I give him like for me 50 60 bucks one time like that was the first time I gave him money and I was like for him it may, it may have been like a huge huge change you know like I, I can feed kids now and yeah what is that like a few Starbucks drinks I mean it's so it's so easy to to help and you don't give to get back but you get back more than you think that than you thought possible so that and the meditation it opens the door and I think I willingly went in, like I willingly wanted to relieve myself of all this, all these emotions. And mm-hmm. I think people that are suffering right now, they're being forced to turn inward. They didn't, they don't want to. They're now they're being like in isolation and having to deal with all these emotions they probably didn't want to deal with. And that's very difficult when you're being forced to do it versus when you yeah. willingly, because it is, is it is a lot. Even in just in a lot of meditations, like I would be crying. The the yeah. the emotions would come out, and I mean, you can. I had a psychology background too, so like I didn't pursue that. But I don't, I'm not one to talk against that. Obviously, people can go see a social worker or talk to somebody. That's very clearing too. But for me, I this this worked. Mm-hmm. And anyone that's suffering, I I try to tell them like maybe give this a shot. Maybe try try it out. See if it helps you. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But when you find something that has helped you so tremendously, I I just want to share and I want to help other people too. So that's where I am right now. You know, I, t- I, I can tell if I don't meditate in the morning, I am cranky throughout yeah. the day. And and my partner's like, so you didn't meditate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Not obvious, huh? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I that's a critical part of my morning is having that meditation. I'm curious, are you still practicing law or are you training? I am. Yeah. I mean, this, until this God willing takes off, I still have to pay my student loans and everything else. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I am grateful for my job and my, my coworkers. I love my coworkers and I'm grateful to just have a job right now too. I know a lot of people are not in that same boat. So, but yeah, I'm, I don't sleep that much. I guess I have two kids. So like I, two young children so yeah. I'm like 
I'm meditating at night when they go to sleep. Sometimes I wake up at 2 a.m. Sometimes I get messages like, what are you doing up? It's 3 a.m. Like, why are you on social media or whatever? I'm like, well, it is what it is. Right. All hours. And so you just find the time. And I think I can make all these excuses. And I think in the beginning, beginning I did, well, how do you find the time to do this and to make all these lists and to do, to write the books and to keep your regular job and take care of the kids. Like you just, you, you just do, because if you want something that badly, you'll, you'll, it'll, it'll get done. You'll find a way. It's just funny. Cause like my daughter and I talking about the culture and how it's, we don't really talk about it. Like we were watching Moana the other day. It's like our favorite movie. And, um, the, you know, it's based upon a certain culture or whatever. And the, and the grandmother comes back in spirit form and here's a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautifully done that I don't think they've, I've really seen another Disney movie like that where they, they talk about death, but that was it. It's always like a sad, depressing thing. It's like Bambi or something like that. Right. You know? exactly. Horrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't watch these movies. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so sad. It's yeah. so sad and depressing. And then you watch Moana and she's got this relationship with her grandmother who now is in spirit form. She comes back to her and it's like, oh my God, I think I posted on social media because it's like that one part where she's like, Moana, you can do this. And it was, it was such an uplifting and she was in spirit form, like talking to Moana and, and some cultures, they embrace this and, and you can see people are a lot more at ease and, and, and like they have that peace to them. And then you see people that can't get past the death, like the death that's like, I get it. Miss my mom. It was just Mother's Day the other day. I, I was crying. You know, I, I miss her. And it's not like, I don't know that she's still here, but I still would love to hug her oh, and yeah. talk to her. And of course, I'm always going to feel that way. But I'm also at peace because I know she's like guiding me on this path right now. Like I feel like so many things like I, the people, my publisher, her name, she reached out to me. Her name was Judy. My mom's name was Judy. It was just, I'm like, all right, well, okay. So what's the odds of that? Like yeah. you can sit here and you can say all the, break down the, the statistical odds, but at some point you just have to believe and open up your heart to the possibilities that things can be amazing. And I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just enjoying I, I love that. journey now. I love, I love that you've opened yourself up to see the little gifts that show up every day. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll share something that happened today. I walk dogs for a friend of mine and she's got one of the dogs is a golden retriever Australian cattle dog mix. He's, I love him. His name, wow. is, his name is blue. And we walked along the stream and I've never seen him do this before. He laid down in the stream and drank oh water. God. I have oh. not laughed that hard in forever because it was just, but like I could have just blown it off, but I was so present to him yeah. enjoying himself and being in the moment of sitting <laughs> in that Aww. stream and just, I mean, and then he shook himself in the stream. We're like, this didn't help, buddy. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it was just, but it was such a gift because it was like this, this shift in my awareness right. for watching someone just be in their state. And that's where the miracles lie. It's not right. the big things. It's the little, the synchronicities, the little right. gifts that were given. And that's what opens up your heart more. Yes. Yes. I mean, and it's funny, like not even just Angel Grandma, but like the other books that I wrote too, it, it's all, it's, it's, it's funny. It's me going along the spiritual path and it's like, and it, I'm, I'm writing it right from my heart because I'm, I'm feeling these things now that maybe I've felt before as a child and maybe has it been 30 years. 
but it resonates so much with children because they are present. They are in the moment. My daughter is just like, she's such a gift. Just look at her. And I'm like, I get to experience this again almost because maybe my childhood wasn't so, in comparison, it wasn't super easy. My, my husband had a very good childhood. He was very happy. I, I grew up in a divorced household and it wasn't always easy. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of that now I'm like reliving through her almost and I'm seeing things through her eyes and, and children are just present. They're like in the moment, happy. And somewhere along the line, like they get like polluted with our negative thoughts mm-hmm. and no, you can't do that. Or no, you're not good enough. Or, you know, and it's like, I'm trying so hard to be like a, a great parent. So she never gets those like, Oh, you want to be a writer? Go be a writer. Does it make you happy? You don't have to be perfect. Just start, start somewhere, do something. Mm-hmm. And I had so many negative beliefs. I'm like, well, maybe it's not even that good enough. Maybe the poem's not good. Maybe the book's not good. Maybe no one wants to read this. Like all these things came up and I don't know where they came from. Mm -hmm. But all I can say is I'm trying to do better as a mom for her. So she doesn't feel the same way. But kids are just, they're like pure, like just magic. You see them and they're like, and they're happy in the moment. They don't need, they really don't need much. So it's, it's, and the books that I've written I feel like even even as a child, as an as an adult with the inner child, you can experience that. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's been it's been such a cathartic experience for me. And if this can turn into something bigger than that, based upon, I can maybe not be a lawyer, so like that'd be great too. As of right now, I'm, I'm just going on and I'm I'm getting the books out there because that's something that I just want to see to come to fruition and just taking it day by day at this point so Beautiful. but um yeah i suppose i should look at some of those questions <laughs> but i'm so enjoying this but i want to make sure i, I actually ask a jonathan question that's okay <laughs> does he listen to all of that <laughs> he'll listen to this one he'll listen to yeah. this one okay this is a good one For those parents who believe in angels or who are open to the possibility of their existence, how can parents learn to teach their little ones about their guardian angels and their significance? And how can this help children who are navigating through grief and loss? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot, like we talk about angel grandma, we talk about her um, being around children and she's always with them and that even when she's not she's not here physically uh she's she's with them always and that's kind of what the book ties into as far as the children navigating grief and loss and we talk about we read the book we talk about my my mom and my mother-in-law we show them some pictures and i think kids are like my daughter is very um into drawing so i think for kids that's a great a great way to kind of you know she'll draw like angel grandma on the pictures and she'll say this is this is um grandma angel like looking after us so i i don't like to push it on her like i i t- we talk about it and i kind of like let her go from there you know because i'm i'm still even myself like i believe heaven is within us i feel like that peace that i i believe it's here it could be here i don't believe it's like some thing in the sky that they're they're up there and they're separate from again it's separated from us right i believe that 
And this is my belief because everyone can have their own beliefs and everyone, of course, is going to believe yeah. whatever they want to believe. But I don't believe it's, it's separate like that. Like we're going to yeah. just go to heaven in the sky when we die and that's it. We got to wait till death to be reunited. Right. I, tell, I tell my daughter, I tell my son's very young, but I tell my daughter, she's here with us now. She's still with us. And that's my belief. So when she'll, she'll find like an, a feather and she's like, oh, angel grandma was here. And I don't, I don't feel like I'm misleading her or I'm trying to patronize her or trying to like kind of talk down to her. That's, that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really subjective to what parents want to explain to their children and what they believe in. So I get, you know, a little bit like reserved when I, when I talk about that, because it is, it's, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. It's, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the bottom line is that we're not separated from them. Love is the one real thing that connects us all. So the fear and the, and then the negativity and the us versus them, like we're to be on a separate team, separate group, everything separate, separate, separate. That's, that's the fake part. The, the true part is that we're all connected and love is that one thing that transcends all. I feel that's the one thing that ties everything together. So how can that be how could that ever end? How could that ever be separate from anything? So that is the, I guess, the philosophical thing behind it. But like, whether you want to say, like, there's an angel right here. I, I mean, I wrote it and, and put it in a way, in a book that children can read it and kind of digest it. I'm not putting quantum physics in there and energy is created, never destroyed, that kind of thing. But it, we could talk about that behind the scenes. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. But I, I put it in a way that is easy to just for both parents and children and you can make it whatever you you want to and we were just discussing before like the moana and the spirit and the grandmother she comes back as a spirit form and that's in that culture what they believe some people believe in angels some people believe in just energy some people believe so it's hard to say what parents want to describe it's, it's really so so subjective but mm-hmm. uh the bottom line to me and this message was like, it's, it's never ending. It can't, it can't die. You know, the body may die, but the soul, the spirit, it lives on. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's how, that's how we talk. We don't, we don't get into it. Maybe it's one day we will. But right now we just talk about, you know, grandma, she's always with you. Mm. She's watching you. And it's funny, even when she gets mad, sometimes my daughter, she'll just be like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to talk to you. I just want angel grandma, you know, and she'll, and she'll like, and I'm like, even she's not even like here physically and she's getting chosen over me. So it's really cute, but I just let her go with it. I'm like, okay, she'll love me again in five seconds. But yeah. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. <laughs> oh yeah. Heather, this has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you. I think I'm going to, it's a perfect spot to end because you just brought everything together and the importance of recognizing that there is no separation. Right. So I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. That's an easy one. Okay. How do people find you? Oh, okay. That is easy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, she tricked me. <laughs> uh, a trick question. So I'm on Heather Lean Author. L-E-A-N is my last name, like Lean Cuisine. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Heather Lean Author, and then Author Lean on Twitter. And my website is www.heatherlean.com. Awesome. Keeping it simple. (laughs) Heather, it has been such a pleasure to have you you. on the show. Thank you so much for this beautiful talk. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. The action item of the week is to really focus on someone you've lost. It could be a person, a pet, a favorite plant. And then really focus to see if you find any synchronicities after you focus. Practice this throughout the week and see what happens. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and true prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.